Hello and welcome to I Can Relate. I'm Jessica Burns. This podcast takes us on people's journeys through personal and sometimes sensitive experiences. These are usually topics that are not spoken about. And the hope here is that by bringing them to light, it'll help others feel less alone in what they're going through. I look forward to embarking on this journey with you as we develop a greater understanding and empathy for one another. Lauren walks us through her journey of being adopted growing up, how she felt completely loved and never felt this gaping hole that's described in movies. Lauren went on to adopt two daughters herself and explains how hard the adoption process is. She urges those looking to adopt to not give up and talks about the instant bond she felt when she saw her children. Later in life, she found her birth family and shares how special it has been to have made these connections. This is a powerful story that reminds us all that family is made in all kinds of ways. Hello and welcome, Lauren. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So you're calling from Zurich. That's correct? Yes. How is it over there? It's a beautiful day today. It's sunny and snowy. Oh, lovely. So thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to do this podcast. Um, I guess we'll just dive straight into it. So would you share with us your story of what it was like to be adopted growing up? So my parents did such a good job of uh, letting me know about adoption early on, um, telling me I was adopted. We had stories about adoption in our home and book actually that was called The Chosen One, um, which I actually have now still. Um, for me, it was never a shock that I was adopted. I mean, it was, it was a little bit different um, because it was unusual back then, you know, to be an adopted child. But luckily in my neighborhood, there was another family who had adopted children that were exactly the same age as me and my brother. So growing up, we had like half of our crew was adopted and half wasn't. Okay. You know, so it, it wasn't that unusual. And I can remember a couple times in my life, you know, somebody saying something about my adoption in a negative way. Um, but I never remember feeling that that was a negative thing. Like I never felt abandoned. I never felt unloved. I mean, I had incredible parents. I mean, I had questions around my heritage and like medical questions, like a, a kind of a yearning to know, like, what am I? Cause in America, as opposed to in Europe, um, people associate with their their lineage in a, in a sense that, well, we're all American, but what really are you? Like, what are you? You're Italian, you're German, you're Irish, whatever it is, right? So I never kind of knew. So I always took my parents' lineage as my own and said, oh, well, I'm what they are. But biologically, like I didn't know where, where I came from in the world, my ancestry. So that was always kind of, um, this is before, you know, 24 and me. Yeah. Uh, came about. So I, you know, I had no way of, of really knowing. And there were just certain points in my life where I did write to the adoption agency that I thought I had come from and they just never replied or they didn't just give me any, they just said they, they couldn't give me any information. What? Um, but it wasn't a big, it wasn't a big stressor for me. Like I said, my parents filled, you know, every kind of expectation, I guess, of um, parental love that you could want. You know, I didn't want for anything. My, 
my parents loved me fully and I felt fully loved. So I don't think I ever had that primal wound that people talk about sometimes. Yeah. You know, there's, there's books written about this, that, you know, you, um, like that everybody that's been adopted, you know, you were torn away and like, it's a quite violent description. And honestly, I never felt that. So maybe something's going on with me and I haven't worked at P or whatever you know, yeah. throughout my life. But honestly, to, I, that doesn't, res, it doesn't um, resonate. resonate with me, like that connection. Um, so anyway, you know, going through life being adopted, I mean, my brother was also adopted and, you know, he's my brother. Like he's the only brother that I know. He's, you know, he's my brother, brother. <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny because people will say, oh, you know, what about your real parents? Or what about your real mother? I'm like, I only have one real mother. Um, and then I have a biological mother <laughs> and a biological family who I didn't know my entire life, right? So um, that I, I still to this day find that somewhat offensive, that kind of language. And people are pretty insensitive, I think, about the terminology they use with people who are adopted. Um, because throughout my journey, I can tell you that uh, more than ever, based on everything I know that love is love and being, having adopted, I couldn't have been loved more purely than my mother loved me. All right. So the fact that I wasn't of her genetic material to me made no difference. Yeah. Right. Because she loved me fully. And when she died, you know, I could still feel her love. Yeah. I feel it now. Right. I feel it always. So does it matter that, you know, I was of her gen genetic material or not? Like to me, it's a, it's a very minor point. Yeah. <laughs> but people, people give it such a huge weighting, mm -hmm. you know, they let, they're like, oh, well, you know, you could not, you can't be a whole person, <laughs> you know, kind of stuff like that, which I find to be very strange, um, especially since they haven't gone through it, you know? Um, and then there's the fact, so when my husband and I, we um, got married and we wanted to have children. And then it was always in the back of my mind as ad adoption was an option. There's not one model. And it's, what's great is like now that's, that's more prevalent than it's ever been before. Yeah. Um, so I think that's great because I get back to the point that love is love. Like if you have a desire to be a parent, like with my husband and I throughout the adoption process, like we tried to have children naturally, but I, I said, I'm going to give it three goes. <laughs> and then we're going to turn our attention elsewhere because it wasn't that important to me yeah. um, to have that genetic kind of thing, because I know what it's like, you know, and to me, it's so different. So when we um, started the adoption process, um, yeah, we, we got hooked up with my daughter's birth mom through an agency. And it was very different than my adoption since that we met her. Um, we got to know each other over Skype um, for several months before she gave birth. Mm -hmm. um, I could tell you before that it was a horror show, like yeah. trying to find, yeah. it was horrible. I mean, the process of adoption is horrific um, in the sense that nobody makes it easy. It's very expensive. I find the people that are in that business don't necessarily know really what they're doing half the time. Like I, I found a lot of errors and I, you know, it was a lot of extra work for me. It's like you paying these people a lot of money and then you end up doing a lot. But at the end, you know, you're, they have you because- it's something that you want more than anything in, in the world. And it's completely out of your control yeah. financially, emotionally, you know, and for somebody like myself who likes to be in control, yeah, that's especially, especially over something that big, 
Yeah. It's, it's very, it's soul destroying is what it is, right? You just can't give up. I mean, I can't tell you how many times where I could have given up. Yeah. Especially with the maniacs that called us and the freak show situation that would happen. But if we move over that and past that, I can tell you like once we were hooked up with the right people, it worked from there. And so she chose Greg and I, and then, you know, I tell this story to my daughters all the time, but it's true. When Julie was born, we went to the hospital. We didn't know what to expect because she, I mean, she just given birth and it was so bittersweet for us because even though we didn't know her, we loved her mm-hmm. for providing us this chance, right? To be a parent. And then she could always change her mind. So we were nervous about that. Um, but when we got there, she said, do you want to hold your daughter? And we knew that it was going to be okay. Yeah. And so we did. And I, t- and I tell my daughter this all the time. I mean, I saw her and I fell in love with her like instantly. It was an instant bond that we had like instant where my husband, I just looked at her and looked at him and it was seriously like an instant connection with this child. Yeah. And I mean, you could not like rip her out of my cold dead arms. Like if any, like, was, yeah. like this child was literally, she had my heart and it was just the way it was. Like I looked at her and I was like, it was literally, I tell her, like, we still talk about, she's like, tell me again about you know, when you came to get me at the hospital and I said, I just fell in love with you. Like instantly I fell in love with you. You were my baby. You're meant to be with me. You know, you're part of my soul. Yeah. And so I don't know who come from that have never had this experience and they lessen it. Mm. You know what I mean? That they, they reduce it somehow. Mm-hmm. Like one way is better than another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is scientifically proven that, da, 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 da. and then the, don't get me like started on the breast milk. Okay. Because <laughs> Like these women are psycho about, I mean, I had hero syrup and what was it? Carnation instant milk. That was my formula growing. Like when I was adopted, like my mother wasn't breastfeeding. So the formula was literally, it was sugar water with some protein milk mix. Like it's not like it is today, scientifically formulated. Yeah. You know, you're gone. (laughs) Oh my God. Anyway, they, they just demonize women that don't breastfeed. But um, anyway, so, so, you know, we didn't know how it was going to play out over the years with the birth family, but actually it's turned out really positive um, in the sense that we've always been very open because I have no fear. Like my daughter knows who her mother is mm-hmm. and she will someday know her biological mother and she will love her biological mother and she will love her biological father. And why wouldn't I want that? Yeah. You know, I mean, there are a lot of women that are like, aren't you afraid? Afraid of what? Love? Afraid my child might be more loved than she already is? That unless, unless I thought the, the birth mom was unstable or didn't have her best interests at heart, like there's a whole layer of stuff that could interfere with that. But knowing what I know of her and the communication we've had with her family and how it all played out for us, I would feel very comfortable allowing my daughter to, my daughters when they're older, to engage with her. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, I mean, taking it from there to, to my, the, my story as well was um, after my mom died, my dad died um, many years ago, but after my mom died, um, my husband said to me, would you want to um, ever find your birth mom? And I said, you know, I've been through two overseas adoptions, British citizenship, moving country. To, like, I don't want to do any more paperwork. Yeah. Like I can't, like, I don't have the will. So, um, basically he went and did it for me. He found my 
biological mother's husband. She did not marry my birth father. And I wrote a letter to him and then he gave my information to my half brother. So I have three half brothers that I never knew about, which is incredible. And like, imagine living your whole life, right? And never seeing anybody that you were related to. So I went to visit them. That must have been so special. I mean, what was really cool about that was that I walked through the door and so two of the guys, three of the guys, the, the husband and the two brothers are in the military, like they're hardcore military guys. Yeah. And then the youngest brother is an IT and he's like head IT guy for like a big consulting firm, but he's like the youngest one. Yeah. But he and I definitely hit it off like immediately. Yeah. Like he was super. So, so my biological mother died when she was 50. So I never got to meet her, but I look a lot like her. Wow. Um, yeah, she died of breast cancer. So I went through all that, you know, like making sure that I didn't have the gene and, but I'm totally clear. Everything's fine. Um, but she died the same year. My, bi my dad died. Um, not my biological father. I don't know who he is, but my, um, my biological mother died the same year that my father died. Um, so Dan, the youngest, I think like when he sees me or when the boys see me, like, I think I, I'm the only female. So you remind them of their mom. Yeah. I was down in um, South Carolina for a wedding and he lives in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. So all the brothers came down to Dan's house, the youngest to meet me. And I walked through the door. And so the husband's there, all the brothers are there and they were speechless. They, they were just literally like, I mean, the father who's this hardcore military guy couldn't speak. He's like, I'm sorry, this is very disarming. He's like, He's like, you look like her. He goes, you sound like her and you have the same mannerisms as her. Oh, nature versus nurture. Oh my God. Crazy, right? Ooh. So then I met my uncle Steve and my uncle Steve was my birth mother's brother. Now he and Dan have been the most involved in my life. So uncle Steve is like an ex-hippie. Okay, <laughs> love this. So he lives in Santa Barbara, California. Yeah. And actually when, so I met, I found out about them in like February and then I got cancer March, April. So he finds out about this. I guess I told him and he knows all these medical people. And so um, he's like, well, you have to send me the, the report, right? That you got back from the oncologist. So I sent him the report. He sends it to like the head of medicine at like Stanford university or something. Yeah. And this, the guy looks at it. He's, this is not going to kill her. Yeah. So you can imagine the relief, yeah. like within 24 hours um, oh. th that I knew that it was going to be okay. I just had to go through the treatment and, you know, all that. So Steve has been a, an amazing blessing. I mean, all of them have, and I will tell you, there's definitely some kind of a biological connection mm. um, that I felt when I met my brothers and when I met uncle Steve. Wow. Yeah. There was something there. Yeah. So I, I do believe that there's some kind of a connection that is, is like an unknown energy that people have Wow. when they're related, because I never felt like this immediate connection mm. and closeness. And what was cool is that like, they were looking for me kind of like I was a rumor. One of the brothers tried to write, he wrote a letter or something and they wouldn't give him anything. Um, so yeah, they were pretty psyched to meet me. 
but it was kind of like a Maury Povich show, right? Like, you know, it's sprinkled with that a little bit. Like, who is she? Like my letter that I wrote initially, like I was, took me two years to write, or a year and a half to write the letter. Wow. Yeah, because I wasn't sure what would happen. Yeah. thing I knew it was like midnight and I get this uh, message. So he looks like me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who the hell is this? Right. Cause I didn't know I had any half anything. Yeah. Right. Um, and it, where did so he that, you on? He, he um, contacted me on LinkedIn, <laughs> LinkedIn. He, he basically just said, if this is the woman who wrote the letter to Harry Mallory, we'd be very much interested in getting in touch with you. And I wrote back instantly and said, yes, it's me. Oh, and I'm looking at this right. picture and he's like, well, then you'll be happy to know you have three brothers, you know, two nephews. We've been looking for you. Oh my God. Well, I couldn't sleep that whole night. I was like, I'm I got to so talk excited. to you. Like, when do I get to talk to you? Yeah. And then we Skyped and stuff. And so he has three little girls. And what's so funny is if you look at pictures of me when I was a baby, one of them looks like just like me when I was a baby girl. Wow. Yeah. So it's made me really, really want to connect with them yeah. because first of all, they're really, really nice people. And I couldn't have been more, I couldn't have been welcomed with more open arms. Right. Yeah. Like considering where they were coming from. Yeah. You know, like I didn't, I never knew about them. And then all of a sudden I walk in this store and they're just like, holy shit, she looks like my mom. Yeah. You know, so, so that connection has been really, really amazing for me to have. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just looks into like, oh, wow. Like I could see myself in some of them, mm-hmm. which is cool. And like, I get to learn about my birth mom. Like, what was she like? She was super duper nice. So we don't have that in common. <laughs> but like, she was like super duper nice. Um, she was a businesswoman. She was very successful. But he, she was like a single mom to these boys because the father was in the military. Wow. And that's probably why the two sons then went to the military. Okay. But you have no idea who your birth father is. No. So basically what happens is in a closed adoption, once the parent dies, they, they allow you to see the records. Now, the thing they did do for me is they had some address and some name in my folder and they sent a letter to the address that they had for the, for this person. Yeah. Um, but he never replied back. So that could mean he never got it, or it could mean that he has no interest. And to be fair, I don't think he knew. Oh my gosh. Wow. Cause she was 19 back then, right? You're 19. You got pregnant. Yeah. Um, she told her mother and her mother said, well, do you want to keep the baby? Do you not? She's like, no, I have no business raising a child on my own. Um, so they, she went to a, a camp and I was born, then back then what they would do is put you in foster care and they would get, they would look at all the um, parents that were looking to adopt and they would pick um, parents for the child that they thought most best fit parents, the biological parents. So for this, for this example, Diane, my birth mom sailed, she skied, she was college educated or going to college. So my mother, my parents skied, played golf. Like, it was very funny. It was almost like a checklist. Weird. That's what they did. Wow. Oh, that's so wonderful that you're able to meet your, like, brothers, though. Wow. Yeah. This experience with my brothers. um, I thought it very, very 
necessary to build a stronger bridge with my children's birth parents because they have, they have, um, siblings. So I want my daughters to have the ability to talk to them someday and maybe have a relationship with them someday because it's been meaningful to me. And I think these are good people, right? They'd be good to my children. And isn't your second daughter from, is she from the same mother? Yeah. Kind of give you the background. Once we um, got my first daughter, you know, obviously we didn't think we would ever, um, have a second. I got a call to say that um, Julia's birth mom, my eldest daughter, her, uh, she was pregnant again. So what would that would mean is that my daughter um, would then have a biological sister. And, you know, of course, we couldn't say no to that. So we were thrilled um, to have um, her sister, their biological mom. What's amazing about her is that she honestly, in her heart of hearts, believes that I was meant to be their mom. And that's just the way it was supposed to be. And she is relieved and happy that it's been such a wonderful fit for us because of course she was worried that she would be living with regret, right? Um, But she is very open in saying, you know what? It worked out exactly the way it should have. Wow, that must be so special. Well, it it makes me feel better because obviously if anybody's listening to this and they're a birth mom, they're gonna say, well, it's it's heart-wrenching for them. And, you know, I get that, right? I understand that it must be incredibly painful um, to be in a position where you're like, wow, you know what? I cannot take care of this child. And I think it's incredibly brave and selfless um, for these women to say, you know what? They're going to have a better chance with somebody else. Um, So, you know, that is tough. You know, it's not all roses. Um, You know, somebody in this equation is not going to make out great in their mind, but I think in our situation, I think she has written to me and said, um, you know, that she wouldn't have done it any other way, that it worked out the way it was supposed to. Have they met their birth mother? So, well, I mean, they were tiny. So they're only 22 months apart, my children. So when we were going to adopt the youngest, Julia got a chance to meet um, her biological um, mom and dad, but they, you know, she was not even two yet. So she doesn't really remember that. Um, but ultimately, I guess what I'd like to have happen is I want it to happen kind of organically and not forced. Um, they know about their biological, uh, mom and dad, they know their names. Um, and yeah, I think someday they will want to meet them and they will want to get to know them. I want them to feel what I've felt, I guess, which is, you know, just all around love that I've received from both sides and a caring and a, and a compassion and a love that I know that they will receive from their biological family. I, I know this. Lauren, that's, that's quite a powerful story. What advice would you give for parents who are going through the adoption process? Don't give up. Don't give up. Because it will happen. You just can't give up. Um, I mean, there were times when I really wanted to give up. And there's a lot of different avenues to do it. I mean, there's fostering. We, we didn't have that option um, for a number of different reasons, but there's fostering. Um, there's, um, you know, you can do open adoptions. I would suggest going through an agency rather than trying to go out on your own and trying to find a birth parents on your own. I think that's a little too precarious and dangerous. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just have to find an agency that you trust and, you know, you have to be resilient and you have to be, 
you have to really, really want it and just stick with the process, Yeah, you know, and it will, and it will happen. Have you had any trouble with like the schools with making sure like proper language is used for, with your children? Well, I'll tell you a funny, funny story. Um, my daughter who is in kindergarten and we go, they go to the Swiss school here. They go to a local school and, um, apparently they were talking about how babies, you know, are born, not the real specific stuff, but like a mommy gets a bigger belly, um, and then the belly gets big and then she has the baby and that's how, you know, you become a mommy. And so my daughter said, well, you know, I wasn't in my mommy's belly. <laughs> I, yeah. I wasn't in my mommy's belly. And the teacher was like confused and, and, you know, people apparently other children heard that and were confused and everything. So the teacher comes, she said to me, you know, I don't want to pry into your personal life or anything, but, um, you know, Olivia is going around saying that, um, you know, she didn't come from your belly. I'm like, well, that's because she didn't. <laughs> and then she yeah. just looked at me confused. I go, well, you know that she's adopted. I'm like, we've talked about this, um, you know, here and there with my older daughter. I'm like, this is, this is the same teacher my older daughter had. And she said, uh, oh no, no, I didn't know that. And I said, oh no, she is. And she goes, well, you might want to just tell her that, you know, the other kids don't really understand what she means by that. And I just said to her, well, isn't that a wonderful learning opportunity for your class? I said, you know, you, you can now teach them about different ways that families are created, you know, that gay couples um, get married and they have children. And, you know, there's all different ways to make families. It's not just by giving birth to a child. And I said, because actually that doesn't always create a family as well. And I said, but I'm sure you don't want to go there, but I would say, you know, that, that this is a great door opener for you. And I, I would be happy to get books for you to use, to not explain this to them and all sorts of, cause we have them in our house, you know? Yeah. And sure. so <laughs> she's like, no, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I, I think I leave that type of conversation to the parents. What? And I said, well, what I will tell you is that I'm not going to tell my daughter that she can't talk about her experiences and, and the way she came into the world and the way her family was created. So, you know, maybe what? you're going to have to just deal with that in your classroom. Of I'm not course. silencing my, I'm not silencing my child. And, you know, what is another thing is when we lived in London, funnily enough, it just reminded me, we used to go to the local library a lot and they had like no books on adoption. Really? And this is London. London. This is London. Yeah, for kids. So yeah, I donated a bunch of books to them. I'm like, here you go. You know, um, anyway. Wow. It's just She's a matter still... of educating. Of course. Did you ever read your to your daughters the book that um, your mother read to you? Of course. Oh. I mean, they cannot relate to it. So they have an updated version, which we did buy for both of them so they could have it. But I'll, I'll tell you, um, there are a lot of good books. I know that Jamie Lee Curtis did a book called um, Tell Me Again About the Night I Was Born. And I got to tell you, every time I read that book, I end up in tears. And my, my daughters just look at me and they're like, are you going to cry again, mommy? I'm like, yes, I am. Oh. Yes, I am going to cry. Here come the tears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Lauren, it's been so great having you on. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Yeah, no, my pleasure. My um, pleasure. Well, hopefully when all this dies down, we get, we'll get to meet up again in London. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Oh, thank you again. Okay, thanks so much. Bye. You've been listening to I Can Relate. If you'd like to hear more of these episodes, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform you're listening on. To become a part of the community, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. 
Join me next time for another episode. Thanks for listening.